What's up? It's Delaney, and I'd love to invite you to become an honorary co-host of the Self-Helpless Podcast. Do you want to pick episode topics and guests? Done. Want to surprise your loved ones with shout-outs on the show for a birthday, project launch, a much-needed divorce? Whatever you're up to, would love to be a part of the celebration. Get your favorite and least favorite quotes featured on the podcast, submit questions for our special guests, and find lots more new features and surprises at patreon.com slash selfhelpless. You'll also get added to our patron insider email list to easily redeem rewards via a quick email reply because we know hanging out on Patreon isn't everyone's thing. You can also opt out of emails if you prefer to be a silent supporter of the show. And don't worry, we do not Scrooge McDuck these contributions. 100% of proceeds go directly to operating expenses that make this weekly podcast possible and available to all. Learn more at patreon.com selfhelpless or simply click the link in this episode's description. Thank you for helping me fill the void of being the last standing host of the Self Helpless Podcast. Thank you so much. There's something magical about unboxing. When you unbox BritBox, you uncover a world of British entertainment. Stream the UK's most brilliant series, including new and upcoming seasons of Shetland, Father Brown and Death in Paradise. Plus new originals like Payback, Irving Welsh's Crime and Archie, the story of Hollywood's greatest leading man, Cary Grant. Unbox BritBox and escape to the best of British TV. Stream with a free trial at BritBox.com. Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of the Self Helpless Podcast. I'm Delaney Fisher, and today we are joined by a truly remarkable guest, Alyssa Kurtz. Alyssa is a competitive martial artist and founder and head coach of Kurtz MMA, where she combines martial arts, self-defense, and emotional intelligence skills into her training programs. During this episode, Alyssa opens up about her past trauma and how dialectical behavior therapy and learning martial arts saved her life. These are things she discovered independently and now uses this very unique combination to help other people process trauma, build confidence, and really find inner peace. I will forever look at martial arts in a different way now. Alyssa describes so many parallels to learning these skills with what we need to learn in our personal life when it comes to setting boundaries and cultivating self-respect. That part of this episode especially really blew my mind, and I've never wanted to take a martial arts class so badly after talking with Alyssa about all the benefits. Quick disclaimer, Alyssa does share some specifics about her past trauma and past self-destructive behavior. So if you feel this episode might be upsetting to you in some way, you might want to skip it or tune into it at a different time. I really appreciate Alyssa's very honest, blunt, candid approach to this conversation. She talks about her experience going in and out of different psychiatric wards as a teen and young adult, what her rock bottom looked like, what her turning point was. She also walks us through step-by-step how to identify our own action urges so we can make better decisions that are in our best interest. And overall, I just found Alyssa's story to be incredibly powerful and inspiring. This episode hits so many topics that we've never discussed on the podcast in the over four and a half years we've been doing the show. So really grateful to Alyssa for opening up the way she did. All right, here is Alyssa Kurtz. 
Alyssa, thank you so much for being here. You are just such a badass and I'm happy to be talking to you. <laughs> well, thank you for having me, Delaney. You're a badass as well. Oh, and thank you. <laughs> I'm happy to be here. <laughs> awesome. So why don't we kick it off with your favorite or least favorite quote before we dig into everything else? All righty. Yeah, so I got one. I don't remember who wrote it. Sorry, no all credit good. there, but um, big theme on our show is like we never yeah. really know, but we love it. It's all good. Yeah. Um, so I read this one day and I was just like, ooh, that is so real. Um, so it goes truth is often offensive before it is liberating. Oh damn. Right. Because all wow. of our resistance and defensiveness kind of cues you in to like. Uh, why are you why are you having that reaction though what are you trying to protect what a what why are you trying to protect yeah yes that is a quote that really uh hits you hits you deep and hard yeah. that's that's a really, yeah that's a really good one and you know what that's never been said on this show in Ooh. four and a half years that is hey, a hey, very hey. unique quote um <laughs> all right. So, why don't we get into a little bit about your background? You have such a unique program and you do such unique work. Um how did all of this come to be? Okay. The birth of Kurt's MMA, so yes. to speak. <laughs> yes, exactly. Yeah, so my background, basically I had a pretty rocky start. Um my dad died when I was eight, and then there was other stuff going on in the home. Basically, I struggled a lot growing up with mental health. Um, I self-harm, a lot of self-harm. I had multiple suicide attempts, um, just total chaos, um, internal chaos. Uh, and I was in and out of psychiatric facilities um, several times growing up and then a little bit into, so I spent some time in the adolescent wards. And then once I passed 18, you go into the adult ward, which can be a little more intense, but both are pretty brutal. Um, and yeah, so I, I struggled a lot growing up. Like, honestly, it's a miracle that I'm alive. Um, there were several instances other than just the suicide attempts where it's like easily could have not been here. Um, so that being said, I am grateful to be here today. And then just like social struggles too. Like, I mean, every teen struggles with social stuff. Um, just trying to figure out like why I was in so much pain all the time and like just desperately trying to figure out what was going on. A big turning point for me was um, about seven years ago, I found uh, DBT, so dialectical behavioral therapy, and martial arts around the same time. Like, there aren't really words for the amount of impact that had on me, um, other than purely saving my life, or teaching me how to save my own life. Um, wow. Yeah, so. Wow. <laughs> yeah. It feels like emotional talking about it. Because just realizing how far I've come, like, it's kind of, I don't pause enough, I think, to celebrate that, like, oh, shit, <laughs> I have overcome a lot of stuff. And not only that, I've 
transformed it into lessons that I can share. So, wow. Thank you (laughs) obviously so much for sharing all that and opening up about that. Incredibly grateful that you're here. (laughs) Um, And whatever you're comfortable with sharing, obviously, would you be comfortable sharing about any of the experiences that you had with being in and out of different wards or? Yeah. Um, So I had... My bird has flown on my head. <laughs> you you called it, Delaney. This is your fault. You called it. Um, what a moment for your bird to be like, you know what? It's, it's my time. I'm the star this of the show now. <laughs> this is the moment. If you poop on my head, we're done. We're over. Anyways, there was a lot going on in my home life. Um And, you know, just like anyone, like family dynamics can be very complicated. And then my experiences in the psych hospitals, rather than like helping, really added to my trauma. Um, So, yeah, um, there were very rare cases that I would get like one nurse that actually was genuine and helped me through certain things. I could write a book on the amount of shit that goes down in the psych ward. Oh my gosh, I bet. I've never heard anything about that. So like whatever you're willing to share with us, I think it's probably a lot of people's first times learning what actually happens. So obviously it's not as brutal as the old days. You're not like going in for a lobotomy because you're gay or something. But (laughs) it's still pretty damn fucked up. Yeah. Um, cause you're going in to get help cause you're pretty much rock bottom. You don't know what to do. You're a danger to yourself or others. And there's different reasons. People are in there for addiction. They're in there for eating disorders, um, abuse survivors, a bucket of all the above, um, yeah. whatever it is. Uh, and so you go in there to be like, okay, I can't do anything else in my life. I need to just focus on like fixing myself or healing myself because I'm broken. But then you go in and it's, you can't open windows. You can't go outside. You can't go on walks. You're not allowed to exercise because it can be triggering to the eating disorder patients. Um, You're not allowed to have physical touch. It's like all these basic human needs, you're basically not allowed to do. And it's not to totally... shit all over you know mental hospitals like it's a complicated problem to address there's never like a simple solution because sometimes people are really dangerous when they're at that point because they don't give a fuck anymore Mm. um Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows VR training platforms like ForgeFX help students master their skills. There's a big learning curve with welding. Virtual reality simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. So it's like being able to contain certain behaviors, but 
while still respecting like this is an actual human being, not just a sight case that I get to tell my friends about later. It drinks. Mm-hmm. Um, and don't get me wrong. There's like always like a handful of really good nurses or doctors who really do mean well and they show up and they're real with you. Um, but I think in general, just the way that we've addressed mental health has been a huge disservice. How are you able to heal when you're kind of stripped of those basic Yeah. Needs? And not only that, like the nutrition, like I get it. We can't afford to feed every patient like a king, but like nutrition plays a huge role and your hormone balance, all that. And exercise is one of the best mood stabilizers there is. And if you're not allowed to do that, you're just staying stagnant. Of course, your mental health is not going to be great. It kind of sucks that that's our, I don't know, that's our answer at this point for mental health. You know, it's it's not that easy though. Like, because you can always point out problems, but can you point out how to fix it? It's not that easy. Right. No, yeah. I'd, ima- I'd imagine there's so many different concerns and dynamics and stuff for, mm-hmm. you know, the people that are in charge of keeping everybody safe. So what was kind of a turning point for you? What ended up helping you? Yeah. So, I mean, I was just like, s- like suffering internally to the point where I could not bear it. Brutal self-harm. There's mental self-harm. Like what are the thoughts and the beliefs you're giving yourself. Drug use. Another part of the medical side was just prescribing medication like so quickly. Uh, Like I was a teenager on seven different medications and I got a lot of diagnoses that weren't accurate either. Like so you're not getting the whole picture and you're just throwing medication on the problem. Throwing medications at the symptoms is not getting to the root of why you're in this position in the first place. There was a point where I was like, okay, I want to remove myself from this environment. So I started saving up money. I was working part-time jobs. This I do not condone, but I was selling drugs and breeding exotic parrots and selling them. Breeding exotic parrots? Yes. Yes, I I haven't heard that one. So just all of this like really toxic behavior I was engaging in because I didn't know any better. Mm. And that's what I was taught and conditioned. The turning point was right after I graduated high school and I barely graduated high school because I was like half of that last year of senior year. I was at a residential program and then like a halfway house kind of situation. But then I was able to come back, get some homeschooling, graduated. It was the year after that when things really started to shift for me is because I I felt really intensely called to start boxing, which was funny because I didn't realize until I started pursuing fighting that um, it had run in the blood. Like my dad, yeah, my dad was a Golden Gloves boxer and I had couple uncles who were like heavyweight champions from Vermont or something but yeah so I was like oh well that makes more sense now I am so like obsessed with it um instantly fell in love um and just to have that outlet and just realizing how long I had kept all this energy locked inside my body and then to finally have a release for that that was like in a healthy way Like that was very new for me. Yeah, I was just driving along one of the main streets one day and saw a sign for a gym. And little did I know I would end up being there for the next seven years. This is SBG NorCal from Berkeley. So if you live in Berkeley, I could not recommend better people, a better gym. I don't have words for my gratitude to them. 
and I've moved away from them now. I'm at a new gym so I can compete more, but I'll always hold a sweet spot for them in my heart. So when did the DBT training or education come in? Because that's, I feel like, I mean, for me, I didn't, I hadn't heard of that until I Mm -hmm. was well into adulthood. So how did that, how did you discover that from starting to fight? It was funny because I found um, boxing and so I started with striking. I do MMA now, so it's a little bit of everything, but I started with striking. And then around the same time, I found a psychologist, a prominent Bay Area psychologist, Dr. JJ Kelly. And she's been my mentor for like the past seven years. Honestly, owe her my life too. It was like the mix of that gym and then my work with her that was so real and raw. That was the life-changing, life-saving thing. But what's different about her and the approach she had, talk about our quotable of the day. Truth is often offensive before it's liberating. She calls you out on your shit. Um, She's willing to say things that could affect her own career. And she'll even share bits of information about herself at times. So it's more like a, you're having an actual conversation, not just like the doctor-patient dynamic. So can you share what DBT is exactly and some of the kind of um, the big the big things that it's kind of helped you with? Yeah. So first, it helps you establish a set of values that is yours and then how to act according to those values. And so there are four modules to DBT. There's core mindfulness skills. There's distress tolerance. There's emotion regulation and interpersonal effectiveness. So like how to deal with conflict and, mm. you know, accepting the parts you can't control well. So it's a, it's like a combination of cognitive behavioral therapy and Zen mindfulness. It's the Marsha Linehan modules that I've worked with. Very cool. When you were learning about DBT for the first time, what did you end up implementing that really changed things for you? One of the biggest key elements um, that I learned that was really helpful was um, acknowledging like, okay, I'm not my thoughts and I'm not my emotions. I'm the observer. I am the one watching my experience. And then realizing that thoughts are different than emotions because there's a lot of language in English that names a thought as an emotion. So like, for example, so Chauncey's on my head, right? Maybe I'm pissed. I'm not. Don't worry. It's an example. Um, And I say, Chauncey, I feel like you're being an asshole. That is a thought, not a feeling. So emotions are like, you know, the body feeling. We got angry, sad, shame, love, joy. And then there's thoughts that can be generated by emotions. The most helpful thing is just realizing there's thoughts that can run in your head that are not worth engaging in. And thoughts are not. A lot of the times they're total bullshit and they're not true. The biggest takeaways from my own experience with DBT would be identifying action urges. So like the first thing you do is like name the emotion. Okay, I'm feeling fear, shame, and anger right now. And then you go to the prompting event. Okay, what caused this 
emotional response. And then you, you name different physiological responses. I feel heavy. I'm breathing shallow. Slowing it down and naming the experience so you can get a little unstuck from it. And a really key point here is not to evaluate, not to like analyze or place any judgments, not judge your experience, which is really difficult. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. And then you go into what are the interpretations, the beliefs, those can be thoughts. Like, cause if you're feeling an intense emotion, you can have a lot of nasty thoughts coming up. So being able to like put the thoughts and interpretations in one section, and then you go to action urge. Sometimes the action urge can be healthy. A lot of the times it's not. And action urge, you kind of tie to a choice point. If you have enough awareness during this emotional uh, dysregulation, you can either pick the road of what you always do, which let's just assume what you always do is like a toxic behavior. Mm -hmm. um, like I reach for the bottle or something. But if you can identify the choice point, oh, let's do anything else to break that cycle or that okay. neural pathway. Let's choose an example. Let's say I get a text from a friend that says, we need to talk. Can we set a time to have a phone call? That might end up like, oh, what do you mean? Why are you being so cryptic right now? Like, give me more details. Like, are you mad at me? Did I do something? Like your thoughts just start running, like trying to figure out what they meant by that. What do we need to talk about? Um, the emotion would probably be fear, a little apprehension. And the key there is being able to notice that emotional experience. Ophthalmologist Dr. Strauss has seen firsthand how the metaverse is helping surgeons practice the procedures to treat cataracts. Cataracts are the primary cause of avoidable blindness. He works with a virtual reality training platform developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International to help surgeons develop the muscle memory they need. The result? More confident, capable surgeons. And even more importantly, patients who can see. Explore more stories like Dr. Strauss's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. I normally find bras to be so uncomfortable and constricting, but Skims has changed that. You know I love Skims underwear, so I finally tried their bras, and Skims has delivered again. Skims bras are worth the hype for the amazing shape and support they give, but what I wasn't expecting was how comfortable they are too. I've tried so many bras in the past, and the main issue that I have is that they weren't supportive enough, to the point where they felt slouchy. I love my Skims wireless form bra because it's so comfortable and supportive. The older I get, the more I care about actually being comfortable in what I wear every day. And with my wireless form bra, I no longer have to sacrifice my comfort for the support I need. Shop Skims bras at skims.com, now available in 62 sizes, 30A to 46H. Plus, get free shipping on all orders over $75. If you haven't yet, be sure to let them know we sent you. After you place your order, select Podcast in the survey, and select our show in the drop-down menu that follows. How does that specifically help with trauma? You know, um, mm -hmm. what, what's the kind of trauma that you've experienced or somebody else that you've met who uses the same skills? I think a lot of people who have been through seriously traumatic things um, feel a sense of unjustified shame, like they deserved it somehow, or they asked it to come into existence somehow. They somehow manifested it. And that's a part of the noticing the difference between unjustified guilt and shame versus justified guilt and shame. Justified guilt and shame 
is if I did a behavior that is out of alignment with my values. Unjustified guilt and shame is if I'm feeling those emotions, but I'm like, wait, I actually didn't do anything against my values. An example for that would be setting a boundary or telling someone no. Like it might be a common response for you to feel unjustified shame because you said boundary, even though that's something that is in alignment with your values. How does or how did martial arts and that whole experience of learning that and that process help specifically with the trauma that you had been dealing with? Oh my God. Um, <laughs> Besides being able to kick the shit out of stuff. <laughs> yeah. Um, oh my goodness. I, like there's, oh my God, martial arts just checks off so many boxes. There's community. There's just exercising alone. Like when you're breaking up your body's homeostasis, like there's a certain level of, especially in martial arts, it's basically like a meditation. Cause if you're sparring with someone or if you're, I don't know, live rolling, that's the sparring version for grappling. Like you can't have your mind elsewhere or you risk getting injured or injuring the person you're training with. Um, so it's like, there's a certain level of presentness you have to have, um, or, you know, there are consequences. So it's like a amazing way to get in your body, um, and kind of find that flow state. It's such a metaphor for life on so many levels in jujitsu, for example, a big part of it is the willingness to let go and transition, transition to the next opportunity. Mm. And like, say I'm rolling with this guy and I almost have a, a submission locked up on him. But if I'm starting to lose it, I'm realizing, oh, it's not as tight. I'm not going to be able to get it. Or say I'm sparring with someone and they get me good or something. And I'm like, oh, fuck that hurt. Uh, now I'm embarrassed because this, that, the other, or I slipped or something like you can't linger in that. Because the person's yeah. still in front of you trying to fight you. It teaches you this, uh, this is going to sound so fucking cliche, but you know, like the water thing, like being willing to let go. Go with the flow. Yeah. yeah. Like if literally I'm, roll with the punches, right? Like yeah. If I'm so to. focused yeah. on the past, then I'm missing what's right in front of me. And there's also a certain level of like patience and patience with yourself, especially with things like jujitsu. It takes years to learn and progress in that sport. Like there's so much to learn and you never stop learning. And it's humbling because it's like, no matter how good you get, there's always someone better than you. And there's always someone worse than you. And it's the community bit tied into that. And then learning communication skills. Like if you're training with someone and they're going too hard, or say you're going with a young guy who's like all like, I got to prove my dominance and not be beat up by a girl or whatever. Like you need to communicate your needs or you risk getting hurt. So it's kind of this higher pressure situation that you, well, lifestyle. Cause once martial arts gets you, it gets you, but it's like this higher pressure. Like if you do not set your boundaries, if you do not let go of what is already done, you risk the consequences of not being present in this moment now. Holy so it's shit. like, I have never, ever thought of martial arts <laughs> that way. I don't know much about it, but that makes mm -hmm. so much sense how 
these two things are so intertwined because yeah. just, just hearing you speak about it, it's like you have, you have no choice, but to be present when mm-hmm. you are fighting or sparring with somebody because you could get hurt. And I'd imagine you are feeling all kinds of emotions during that time. Like you said, oh, yeah. fear, oh, anger, yeah. embarrassment, mm-hmm. nerves, all that stuff that you have to deal with. Like, yeah. Action oh. urges all the time. Like, Oh, somebody got me good on the jaw. I had this action urge to take it up a notch and retaliate, but that's not how you train. Cause then you're not learning. You're just hurting each other and retaliating when you're training. It's a level of, you need to bring it, the energy level down a bit so people are comfortable enough to actually learn. I was sparring, I was doing Muay Thai sparring with this guy that was bigger than me. My weight class is like 143 and this dude is like 200 pounds. And we were doing drilling and drilling is when you slow things down, you're trying to get down the combination or whatever you're working on. And then you progress it into sparring. Sparring is when you get to apply what you've learned. And so we were sparring and the guy was, He was hitting me too hard and like not taking into account that he weighed like twice as much as I did. Um, And so, and his energy was like too heightened. Like he had that, you know, kind of cagey, scared fighting energy, Um, which like I get, it takes a time. It takes a while to learn the energy you're supposed to use during training with a partner. And I had asked him two times, like, can you bring the energy down? That's too much right now. Yeah. Um, and then the third time he did it again, I was angry as fuck. I was super angry. I felt really intense. I felt really, because it's also like, I have fucking a trauma history too. So that shit is triggering for me. Yeah. Um, so the ability to see like, oh, fuck, this is triggering me because this guy's not respecting the boundaries I'm setting. And now I actually feel like I'm in danger of getting hurt because he's not listening. Yeah. Um, and so I was having an action urge to retaliate and like fuck him up or whatever, you know, just take it to the next level. Um, but that would not be in alignment with my values. And so what was in alignment with my values was to stop and be like, dude, what the fuck? You are 230 pounds. I asked you three times to stop hitting that hard. And then I stormed off. I expressed my anger and I didn't take it to the, you know, action urge level, which sometimes the action urges can be healthy. They're not always like not okay. Yeah. Um, So what does it feel like after like an instance like that, where you realize that you could have done something else, but you actively chose to do something that was in alignment with your values And Mm -hmm. like, what does that feel like after you kind of leave that type of interaction? It's, it's empowering. There's a certain level of self-respect. I remember reading in one of JJ's first books, and I think it was a phrase that was about her work with me was she's witnessed that martial arts uh, teaches people that they are worth defending. Um, So learning self-defense, like I'm valuable enough to speak up, to set my boundaries to know how to physically defend myself. There's such a power in getting your body involved in the process. I never thought that actually putting physicality into that could be a really Mm -hmm. helpful place to start because you are 
actually defending and setting boundaries in a totally different way. Yeah, and exactly. By, I could imagine that practicing that mm-hmm. can transfer into the other areas of your life. Yeah. And That's before really you cool. have that awareness, you can have like, oh, I'm afraid of speaking up for myself. I'm afraid for saying no to people. Or you might feel that unjustified shame and guilt because that's what you were conditioned. So now you have that automatic neural pathway response. Um, But this gives you the opportunity to be like, "Mm, no. And it's like that kind of being in your body that much and being that present gives you the opportunity to identify that choice point. Like, oh, I could do that thing where... I just accept that I should feel shame, even though this isn't actually a reason um, to be feeling shame right now. It's just like a memorized response. Dude, this um, is making me want to take a fucking martial arts class. Seriously, I'm like, I need, I need, to, find, I need to find one because um, I, I kind of like, I like the tangibility of it. There are so many positions you can be put in being able to get comfortable in being in a shitty position and not being reactive. Because if you're, you start flailing, you can go from a bad situation to a worse situation. But if you slow down and say, oh, I'm in a shitty situation, let's get still so I can mindfully proceed. They don't teach this shit in schools. Right. So it doesn't matter what home you're growing up in. It doesn't matter what, where you start your life. We all have emotional experiences. So like I did not have the awareness of like, I didn't know what my emotions were. I knew that I felt intense as shit inside. When I came into that gym, I was able to see like, oh, there's actually an alternative for me. Um, And that opened the door to hope. Your new day to day, Mm -hmm. what does that really look like? Totally different person. Like the comparison to me now, to me then. Um, then I had no self-respect. I hated myself. It was just punishing, internalizing everything. The stuff I was experiencing out here, the trauma, all the bullshit out here, I was internalizing it. I was chastising myself. Um, I was accepting shame. I set no boundaries. I like, even to the point like sexually is an example of one. Uh, like I did not respect myself in that sense. Um, And that's why I've taken a big break from that part of my life, like the dating side, to go from that not respecting myself in any kind of way to now having so much self-respect for all the shit I have overcome, um, all the work I have put in and continue to put in. um, It's day and night. Um, And there's not really a specific example because it's all different there's not a single situation I dealt with back then that is going to look like what how I deal with it today not to say I don't have the times where I'm on my bullshit (laughs) because none of us are perfect but from what I've noticed it's a lot more rewarding on the other side well Alyssa this was so awesome (laughs) thank you seriously for opening up about all of this the way that you did I know this episode is (laughs) helping a lot of people And is there anything else that you want to share, whether it's about DBT, martial arts, anything that you want to leave people with? Yeah, let's go with not, try not to fall into the self-improvement trap. Um, Ooh, do expand. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Like, because I know I've fallen into that 
many a time. Basically with that, when you start doing this work, when you start working on yourself, um, healing your trauma, whatever, um, it's easy to get so caught up and kind of obsessed with that process. But it's like, you're not meant to be constantly working on yourself or delving into like healing this trauma and that. You still want to give yourself a break to enjoy your life and celebrate the work you are doing, how far you've come. It's okay to slow down. I think there's a lot of hustle culture, especially in America, that's like, you got to go, you got to be productive all the time. You got to like not take care of yourself. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Um, So just realizing for your own sake, when you have a a motor on your, your processing or a motor with trying to analyze yourself and like, oh, why'd I do that? Is that because my mom did this like 10 years ago? Checking in with yourself. Is this just constantly doing the work and never allowing myself to just sit and enjoy my life and now be present with where I'm at now? Such a good fucking point. <laughs> And last question, let's say that somebody is tuning in right now and they feel like they are really stuck in, you know, the misery like that you've kind of shared Mm -hmm. that you used to feel, um, the pain, they haven't gotten to even the point of wanting to look into anything else. What would you Mm -hmm. say to that person? Get help, get help. Um, sometimes it, can feel isolating or scary when you're going through these things, get help. And don't just accept the first person that comes up, especially with like psychologists. It's okay to shop around and see who works for you, who is connecting with you. Where can people find more of you, your work, all that good stuff? Yeah. So you guys can email me at kurtzmma at gmail.com. K-U-R-T-Z. M M A. I forgot for a second. I'm like, wait, what? <laughs> At gmail.com. Um, or you can find me on Instagram, uh, Alyssa Kurtz, A L Y S S A K U R T Z 96. Are there any resources or organizations or anything else that you would like to plug as well? Yes. Michael A. Singer. He's the author of The Surrender Experiment, The Untethered Soul. I don't think there's a single person who wouldn't benefit from looking into his work. I know he has a podcast too, so. And then, of course, I have to plug Dr. J.J. Kelly, my mentor of seven years. Um, that She just, just released nice. her third book. Nice. Um, and it's called Holy Shit, I'm Dealing with a Narcissist. Oh, um, we love that topic on this show. So, <laughs> oh yeah, oh yeah. So for her, you can go to drjjkelly.com. All of her social media ha- handles are at drjjkelly.com. Amazing, <laughs> Alyssa. Thank you so much for being here. Damn, so many powerful moments from Alyssa and all of that. If you live in the San Jose, Berkeley, Bay Area, you can take Alyssa's training program in person. I'm so jealous. I totally wish I could take a class with her. We do have an iTunes review of the episode. It's titled Spoke to Me. This is from Sam913. And it says, the most recent episodes have hit me hard as they seem to fit what I'm going through in life so well. I appreciate how honest these ladies are in tackling some tough subjects and making me feel less alone. Sam, that's what we're here for. I'm so glad that 
these, you know, recent episodes have been helping you in some way that um, that's always really great to hear. Thank you so much for taking the time to write the review. If you want to leave a review, the ones that we pull uh, and read from are on iTunes. So if you head over to iTunes, leave us a note, you might get read on the show. P.S. You might want to check out YouTube for this episode as well, um, at least for the moment that Alyssa's bird Chauncey decides to fly right onto her head. <laughs> we had um, joked before we started recording that how funny it would be if Chauncey decided to do something like that and one of like the most intense moments of Alyssa sharing her story. And that's exactly what fucking happened. So such is life. Anyway, thank you so much for tuning in and we will talk to you next week. If you or someone you know is in crisis and needs immediate help, call the toll-free 24-hour hotline of the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline at 1-800-273-TALK. That's 1-800-273-8255 to be connected to a trained counselor at a suicide crisis center nearest you. Thank you so much for listening to the Self Helpless Podcast. You can find our Patreon community, merch, and our individual work at selfhelplesspodcast.com. We'd be thrilled if you shared this episode with a friend or feel free to post it on Instagram and tag at selfhelplesspodcast so we can repost you and say thank you. Yeah.